It's Monday, June 3rd, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Dr. Rick, our Vice President of Engagement. Dr. Rick will walk us through Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 41. If you remember last week, Herbie took us through the beginning of chapter 19. Paul is in Ephesus at this point, and and today we're going to see some things about the false worship in Ephesus and learn some things about about false worship, worship and false religion, um, and also about um, about some things about the character of our God and the truth of the gospel in the middle of that. So what we see in this passage in the beginning is that that there's this um, this incident that Paul talks about, beginning in verse eleven, where first of all there is an there's an amazing work of the Holy Spirit that's going on in Ephesus. That in the midst of this pagan city that was was a center for patient pagan worship. This is where the the temple of Artemis, the, the goddess Diana, is um, one of the seven wonders of the world right here in the midst of Ephesus. Ephesus being a, a trade city, um, people from all over Asia were, were coming um, in and out of Ephesus, and they were, they were being, in, being brought under the influence of, of pagan worship here in the temple. And so in, in the midst of that environment, we see the, the, the Holy Spirit doing something rather sort of out of the box and miraculous, and that is that, that these, these cloths like the, that, that Paul would use to like wipe the perspiration um, and his, his work aprons um, are, are literally being given to people, and, and people are being healed as a result of um, the, they're, they're, being, they're being freed of evil spirits as a result of coming into contact with these, with these cloths. Um, now, that's not normal. Um, Dr. Luke even says in, in Acts 19.11, uh, he says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Here's the thing. Like, that's not something that is normal. It doesn't go on today. There may be televangelists that are out there that are trying to bilk people into buying prayer cloths and things like that, but, but like, that's not normative. Um, there was something special going on in Ephesus because Ephesus was an especially dark place. Uh, it was a place that was especially wound up in pagan worship, and so God was God was doing something qualitatively different and and extremely noteworthy in in the midst of this condition in Ephesus in order to in order to show Himself different and in order to to differentiate the gospel. And so, in the midst of this, there's this mighty move of God that's going on. We hear stories today sometimes from missionaries in various places, like uh, particularly in the Middle East, where where we hear of people having visions where they're they're told to go and seek someone out that that will tell them the gospel, or or that they're told about Jesus in a vision, never having heard about Jesus and never having heard the story of the gospel, and and we go like we don't understand that because like normally for someone to respond to the gospel, they have to be told the gospel, they have to be pointed to Jesus by by someone who believes. Um, but there are these rare occasions where God sort of steps outside of the rules of time and space and does things that are that are perfectly uh, okay under His um, His purview um, and and His power. 
But the thing is, we shouldn't expect that, right? Like that's not normal, and that, that God will work in a way to bring glory in himself in order to, to, to point to the truth of the gospel. He'll work in, in, in ways that, that may or may not make sense to us. Um, but our job is to work in ways that we've been told to work, which is to be a faithful witness, to continue to, to put the gospel on display, um, and, and, to, and to teach the gospel and to preach the gospel in, into our culture. And so, so in the midst of all this that's going on with Paul, um, there are a couple of, couple of incidents that happen um, in Ephesus. One of them revolves around some um, Jewish itinerant evangelists. Um, that's quite a concept if you think about it. But here, here is this group of, of seven guys. They're, called, they're known as the seven sons of Siva. They claim to be the sons of a Jewish high priest. Now, I say claim to be because there's really no historical record that provides any context for who this guy is, and really this just sounds like a made-up story um, that that they were using in order to, you know, probably extort some money from people and and to make a name for themselves. And so they essentially are going around using the illusion of authority in order to pass themselves off as some kind of religiously important people by supposedly casting demons out of people. Well, the problem is they run up on a real demon, <laughs> and, and, they, and they propose to, to use the tools at their disposal, um, which if you look in, in verse 13, it says that, that the tool that they try to use is, is the name of Jesus. It says um, that... Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So in other words, they're, they're saying, we don't really know Jesus. We don't even really know Paul, but Paul is using the name of Jesus. And so we're telling you, demon, like in the name of that name that seems to have power, um, in the relationship that somebody else has, demon, come, come out of this person. And what they get for their trouble is they, they, they get beaten and bloodied and, and ultimately beaten naked and, and they're, they, they run out having, having, been, um, having been soundly beaten and soundly defeated by, uh, by this uh, man that's possessed with a demon. And, and so the people, so, so number one, let's learn the lesson here that, that we, it's, we can only... Um, do things in the name of Jesus and in the power of Jesus when 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 we know when we know Jesus um, and and there's there's no secondhand connection and so it's a warning to us uh, I think all of us to 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 remember that um, that we that we don't invoke the name of Jesus unless we know that Jesus is in the work and that Jesus is in us and 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 so the the the, the power is not in the name the power is in in our Savior and and knowing Him um, and 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 being yielded to Him. So so then the other thing that happens is is that that basically this causes quite a stir in Ephesus and people in Ephesus start looking at their lives and saying, "Wow, maybe there really is something to this this thing of of Jesus and and Him being the 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 Savior." And and so they begin confessing and and you see this kind of revival happen that they're confessing that. That they've that they've been living a double life, and while they've been while they've been following Jesus, they also haven't let go of the 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 dark magic and and the things that um, the things that that held them bound um, in in spiritual oppression. 
And so people begin, begin to confess uh, that, and they begin to divulge what it is that they've been doing, and they publicly bring out all their, their scrolls and, 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 and paraphernalia that they've, that they've used to worship um, these, these false gods, and, and they burn them like a lot of stuff. It says 50,000 pieces of silver worth is what the text tells us. We don't know what piece of silver that is, but if we kind of you know, assume, it's, it could be as much as a million or even millions of dollars worth of, um, worth of, of things that they bring out. And, and so, um, so a, a, a couple of things that I, that I think you, you know, we can see from here. One is that we, we see this when, when there's a true move of God, people um, and, and when, when people truly come to Christ, they, like, they, will, they will release their claims on everything else. And, and like to, 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 to grab fast and to hold on to Jesus means to, to let go of other things. And, and we see that happening in the lives of a lot of people here in Ephesus. We also see some things about false religion. We see a couple of different kinds of false religion that are pretty good types for us to look at to evaluate things that are not um, that are not Christ and not Christianity. One false religion that that's really kind of made up for self-exaltation, and that's kind of the 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 brand that the seven sons of Siva have here. That that essentially they are they are people who um, who've made up a religion. They're kind of the the L. Ron Hubbard, the 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 founder of Scientology. He said, you know, the quickest way for a man to make a million dollars. Said this back in, I think, in the 1940s. Quickest way for a man to make a million dollars is to invent a religion of his own. Um, that, that it's very evident that he was he was trying to invent something to enrich himself and and for his own exaltation, not because not because he was trying to bring people to true faith in anything. And we we see that a lot in in many false religions. On, on the other side, um, we see. Um, we see religions that are based upon power, but they're based upon demonic power. And and so, like we see in in you know in this in this real life situation, um, that that people are turning away from that and they're turning to Jesus. And and there's there's much that people worship in our world, and and much that people idolize that that ultimately is um, is is wrapped up in in the enemy's deceit. And so we see that in kind of these scrolls and spells that are that are that are being um, that are being burned and are being rejected. Well, then we kind of move from that setting to to then a more a more general sense in Ephesus that there is there is a stirring afoot among some to to oppose Paul and to oppose the gospel. So if you start in verse twenty one, um, we hear about Paul's plan that that Paul is is planning to 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 go through Macedonia and then on to Jerusalem and then ultimately on to Rome and then and then beyond. And so um, it, it says that he is staying in Asia for a little while, but Paul has this, this plan charted out of where he thinks he's going in the future. Um, the truth is, and it, it doesn't hurt to say here, that Paul did end up going to Rome just not like he thought he was going to. Paul thought he was going to stop off in Rome and he was going to spend a little bit of time with the church there and encourage them, but then he was going to go on to plant churches in, in Spain and, and, and move on into Europe. We, we know the story that, that Paul ultimately like went to Rome and, and went there as a, as a prisoner in chains. 
and that Paul didn't get to Rome the way that he thought he was going to, but that the impact he had for the gospel was much greater because of the place that God gave him in Rome um, as a prisoner. And, and so, but, but it says while he's here in, in, in Asia, in verse 23, that there, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Um, there was a silversmith. His name was Demetrius. He was, he was one who, who made um, silver idols for, um, that, that revolved around the temple of Artemis and the pagan worship that was going on in Ephesus. And apparently he had quite a business, and there was quite a business for, for a lot of these, these tradesmen who were, who were making you know, these idols. And he begins to stir up and begins to pull a crowd together and says um, that, that what Paul is preaching, he's persuaded many people to turn away, not just here in Ephesus, but all over Asia um, from, from the worship of Artemis. And it's, and it's hurting our business, and it's really going to hurt our business even more um, as, as people turn away from that goddess. And so, so he's worried, he says, about, um, about them deposing the goddess Artemis from her, her magnificence. Now, it, it's worth noting here that it's kind of funny that that he's defending he's feeling like as the as the mortal not the god that he needs to defend the god because the god can't defend herself that this goddess that he worships like she can't defend herself and so he has to defend her in or, in in order that their business isn't cut into and 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 so he begins to to stir up within within the tradesmen and then they begin to cry out and 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 begin to um, you know, begin to, to start to, to yell and start to cause confusion. And then you see this crowd of people um, that begin and, and like they're at the, at the point of a riot. Now, it's really kind of funny because many of these people that are, that are about to riot have no idea even why they're rioting. It says, now some cried out one thing in, in verse 32, some another, for the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds kind of like Facebook and Twitter to me. That there were people crying out, and they were they were they were seeking justice, and they wanted something to happen, and they and and they were and they were enraged, but they didn't really know what they were enraged about. That kind of sounds like um, going on social media on virtually any day to find people angry about something and protesting about something. And and nine times out of ten, um, most of the people that are that are making the loudest noise don't even seem to really understand what it is that that they're protesting. And so maybe that tells us something about our 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 nature as human beings to be joiners and to want to be part of something. And it's a good warning um, for us to be sure about that that we're uh, we're ready to be we're ready to riot about the the right things. Now, I do think you can see from this passage there are a couple of things about, about moving away from idolatry that, um, that are noteworthy. When, when we abandon idols and when we turn to Jesus, there are a couple of predictable things that are going to happen. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. It's going to change our lifestyle. It may even change our livelihood. Part of what some of these people were struggling with is that they were seeing the gospel impact people. They were seeing the gospel impact communities, and uh, this community because people were turning away from their idols. They were getting rid of those things that that had been, you know, kind of the economic lifeblood for much of this community, and they were turning to Jesus, and and so it meant they were making. Um, actual real changes in their lives. 
And that's a consequence that, that our lives are going to change when we follow Jesus. I think the second thing is, is that, that we, we see that, that, that there will be some people in the midst of that journey that will react maybe even mindlessly about that. And, and that but, but here's the thing that we can trust. That, that ultimately God is going to protect his mission and he's going to protect his agenda. He's going to protect his work for his sake, um, even in the midst of the confusion. What we see happen in, in Acts chapter 19 is that there's this town clerk who rises up in the midst of, of, of this, this riot that's about to happen, and, and he basically says... Um, Men of 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 Ephesus, like nothing's changed because because Paul and his friends are are preaching what they're preaching. That the temple is still here, and 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 we really don't have anything to fear. And he says, "So you ought not you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash." Um, and he says basically they haven't they haven't done anything to defile the temple they haven't done anything to to hurt the temple but but you're breaking the law because you're about to you're about to to have a riot and and to cause a demonstration and and that's against the law um, and so God uses this this pagan official to calm the crowd down for them to take a look at themselves and realize where they are and the crowd just kind of dissipates. And so Paul and, and, the, and the Christians in Ephesus are protected. D- does that mean that, that, that always we're going to be in a position where when we're proclaiming the gospel and when people don't like it or they hate it, that, that we're going to be in a place where we're not going to be hurt? Well, no, because um, part of the call to follow Christ is, is sometimes a call to suffer. Um, and, and we see in the lives of the apostles, they, you know, the, the, the apostles were, were martyred. They were killed for their faith. But it also means that if God has a plan, if God, if God has something for you to do, um, then you're, you're not going to be, you're not going to be harmed and you're not going to be killed if that's, if that's God's will for you to not be harmed or not be killed. And so we know that God is going to provide for, for the work that he's called for us to do. And so we shouldn't fear people, we shouldn't fear governments, we shouldn't fear circumstances. The only fear that we should have is a, is a reverential fear for God. And so hopefully today, Acts, Acts chapter 19, uh, as, as much as anything, has been a good reminder for us um, that, that God is sovereign and on his throne even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of the confusion of our world today, and that we can trust God to work out his purposes for his kingdom good, and that we can trust that God will position us in places um, to, to be able to live out the mission that he's called us to, and, 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 and we'll be able to do that um, ultimately to the glory of God. And so I hope today you've been encouraged um, and, and been blessed by our continued journey through Acts chapter 19, and we look forward um, to, to meeting right back here again next week um, to continue with Acts chapter 20. Well, thanks, Dr. Rick. And this week, we are praying for the country of Brazil. We are praying for the local church and missionaries uh, residing in Brazil, that they will be united, encouraged, and emboldened. We're praying specifically for Melinda and Deborah and Guy and Vanessa and Bettina, friends we've made on previous trips as they are sharing the gospel through Brazil. We're praying for truth and conviction for the people of Brazil. There's a great amount of 
poverty, corruption, liberalism, and societal issues that impact the people of Brazil on a consistent basis. We're praying for the local church that they would rise up and share the gospel and minister to vulnerable children and families in foster care and, uh, and even adopted families themselves. We're praying for our current families that are going through the process that the Lord would provide, encourage, and prepare these four families. We're praying for the families that have already come home through adoption, that the Lord would equip them to love their children well and disciple them as they adjust to their families. We're praying for more mission-minded families that would want to pursue, pursue adoption from Brazil. We're praying for leaders of the country that they make laws that protect the rights of the children. We're praying for the children in care of Sija and the children who are living on the streets. We're praying that God would reveal himself to them, provide their needs, and bring their paths to cross other believers that would help and care for them. We're praying for our team here in the States, for uh, Josh and, and Sassy Beth and uh, Farah. We're praying for the team in Brazil, Marcia and Marcos, and our, our in-country attorneys. We're praying that they would feel supported as they continue to advocate for the children of Brazil. And we're praying for the workers of ACAF and CJA, the, the central authority, that as they make decisions on the best interest of the children. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to pray for the country of Brazil. We certainly pray for uh, the children that we know of that are in the care of Sija, that, that you would just continue to care for them and love them and make ways that the government would allow these children to find permanence through adopted families, both domestically and internationally. Lord, we also just continue to pray for the country of Brazil as the jungles and the Amazon basin. There's so many people who have yet to hear the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus. We pray that you'd strengthen the church of Brazil to be missional, to go throughout the country, to go to the Amazon basin, to care for those kids on the street, and to care for kids in need. Uh, and in so doing, that they would show the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just ask that your spirit and your power would move in this country. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, would you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow with Defender Podcast.